0: Welcome to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, bringing you honest talk, even when it bites. Now on 77 WABC, here are your hosts, Alex Alexanian and Brenda Bush.
1: Welcome, welcome, welcome. On Easter Sunday, we're in New York, high atop Madison Square Garden, studios of 77 WABC. This is Alex Alexanian signing up along with...
2: Bush good morning.
1: My, my co-host in crime, and happy Easter Sunday to everyone. Uh, we're going to be going to church after we finish with the show today, and I'm sure a lot of you will. We just heard that the Pope uh, did his thing in uh, in Vatican Square in in, in Rome, and um, and we're no on blessing to of another... The animals.
2: No blessing of the animals there, right?
1: No blessing of the animals, but we're going to be talking about the animals yes, today, again, the one hour this week that uh, the station will turn all of its attention to the little guys in our homes, the little guys meaning, sometimes not so little guys, um, the doggies. And today's topic is, my dog is my kid, a philosophy that's spoused by, admit it, you and me.
2: (laughs) 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 This is going to be an interesting discussion because uh, we have a lot of, we have a lot of debates in the house about this and whether or not dogs really are, our kids are not.
1: I am truly accused of I mean, this, some of I us <laughs>
2: treat our dogs, some some treat our dogs like dogs, and then some treat our dogs like furry little people, and some even better than people.
1: Uh, yeah, and that's what we're going to be talking about today, and it's a yeah. fascinating topic because you guys have done it. I've definitely done it. You do it. <laughs> that's for sure. But I think, so. you know,
2: there's a big distinction to be made between loving your dog Loving your dog like a child and treating it like a human.
1: Or thinking that it's really kind of like your kid. That's what we're really talking about. Do people actually think and why do they think and is that a good thing? Anyway, our number. Good for
2: the human, good for the dog.
1: Exactly. And our number is 1 800. Eight four eight WABC. Again, it's one eight hundred eight four eight nine two two two. That's WABC in numbers. We have two great guests, but before we get onto the subject of the day, which is my dog is my kid, we want to talk about the walkathon three weeks from today, and it better not be this kind of rainy, crappy I'm weekend. Scared. Let me tell you, it's been a crappy. Spring, and I am getting really worried. Because Every year weeks.
2: I say, we, we're, let's not do it. It's so painful. It's so much work. Let's not do it. And then I'm glad we did. Kind of like childhood. Yeah,
1: but listen, you forget the pain. The weather you can't control, and I'm I'm scared. You know, all I know is this: this the
2: weather's going to be good to us this year. Oh yeah, it rained on us last year, so I have faith it's going to be good to us this year. So
1: three weeks from today, and it is going to be. It's looking like it's lining up to be a great event. Yeah, 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 it really is. We have hundreds of registrants already. Uh, We just got uh, an interview on the morning show on Channel 12, which is the main station in. Channel 12 is Channel 12 News, which is the Westchester's number one station, local news. Uh, and we're going to be on their morning show talking with Shanna Wall, who's flying in from uh, California. California. We've got
2: a few people coming from all over the place. All over the
1: place. But Shanna is flying in, and, and a couple of the girls, uh, one from Philly and one from locally. From The Bachelor. From The mm-hmm. Bachelor this year are, are going to be at the show. And we're all going to be on, on Channel 12's morning show, daytime show, on uh, I think it's the 11th. On May but 11. the
2: event, let's tell everybody, the event is Sunday, May 15th, FDR Park in Yorktown Heights, New York, which is Westchester County, about 45 minutes north of Manhattan.
1: Yeah, and uh, you can d- register. And you can register to walk virtually and help out this cause. Yeah, we have people is, doing that
2: all around the country, which is, is so great and, and heartwarming. You right. know, the support we've gotten around the country as people are sort of you know, arranging their own little local meetups to do their walk on the same day, virtually walk with us. So that, right. that's great.
1: You don't have to be there in person. We will know that you're there because we'll know that you registered. You and we'll get a send free T shirt. Yeah, you get a great The Dogs in Danger T shirt. Of course, if you can show up, that'll be even more amazing because it's going to be a really cool event. Um, Just go to www.dogsindanger.com. That's the easiest way. And right on the home page, you'll see three beautiful girls looking back at you and a big logo that says March for the Dogs 2011. And for the
2: feminist in me, that'd be women.
1: (laughs) What did I just say?
2: You said girls.
1: Oh, sorry. Well, they look pretty good to me. Uh Anyway, so you click that button and you go right into and we'll explain all about the big event, our one Event of the year, folks. So right. this is it. So
2: we're excited. Right. Everybody's going to show up. You want to meet come us? On.
1: This is the time to all come fifty thousand
2: of you. Let's have you there.
1: <laughs> that's, it's a that's, big.
2: It's a big park. Bring your dogs.
1: <laughs> that's the arbitrage I want to talk about. I
2: want to talk about this Iran thing. It's got me all fired. up. Oh
1: right. yeah, yeah. This, okay, tell them about this Iran thing.
2: No, you, you. Those. I have my own comments. You go ahead with your. All line right. So anyway,
1: today. so there, th- So the wires were full this week of a comment that came across Yahoo. Lawmakers in Iran decided that they want to criminalize criminalize dog ownership. Do you hear this? I
2: mean, we've talked about this issue before. I mean, it wasn't bad enough that they came out and said, you know what, we don't really like the idea of dogs in homes so much. What is this thing about you You know, treating them like family members? We don't like it. We talked about that a few months ago on the show. But now they actually want to make it criminal.
1: Criminal? Can you to believe To have this? a dog? Unbelie- I- I'm shocked. Anyway, the bill warns that in addition to posing public health hazards, the popularity of dog ownership also poses a cultural problem—a blind imitation of the vulgar culture of the West. And I am quoting uh, one of the ayatollahs that said that. Also poses a cultural problem—a blind imitation of the vulture. Uh, I'm sorry, vulgar, vulgar culture of the West.
2: I think you need another cup of coffee. Well,
1: that's a lot of words. (laughs) Um, And the law would uh, see the offending animal confiscated, leveling of a $100 to a $500 fine, and guess what happens to the dog? What do you think happens, Brenda? Brenda? The dog I'm is dead. I'm guessing
2: it's not too good for the dog. Yeah, dog yeah. dies. Unbelievable.
1: So they are going to make it a criminal offense. You know,
2: I offense. mean, I'm so, I'm so disappointed, but on the other hand, I can't say that I'm surprised because if a society doesn't respect and value humanity, it's not going to be able to extend that circle of compassion anywhere else.
1: I don't know about compassion, but this is pretty disgusting. That's all I know. But they're going to they're going to come into your home, make it a criminal offense, take your dog away from you, kill the dog, and put a fine on you. This now, is sounding
2: like a religion on the line show.
1: I don't know about religion either. Where's all our I minister know and is, our this rabbi? This is sounding pretty, pretty disgusting to me. That's all I know. It's bad. And uh, it's you really know what? Bad. It doesn't say a lot. For about For all your complaints about, about this
2: country, you know what?
1: At mm. least they're not doing that, right?
2: Well, we are killing two million a year.
1: Two million dogs a year. Yeah, more two million like and dogs and a, a year in, dogs in this country. Yeah. Let's not
2: let's not forget
3: that. Yeah,
1: I mean we we do the killing, but at least we don't criminalize them for taking. I mean we, we encourage it, the adoption of animals. Anyway, so we're kind of bummed out about the, the thing that's going on in Iran, and we're going to see uh, what follows up with that thing, and we'll see what, what's going on. But, but we're going to have to move subject here because the, the, the subject of the day is the dog is my kid, or my dog is my kid. And before we get on it, we have to take a commercial break, Brenda. So we'll be right back.
2: I'm Brenda Bush, co-founder of Dogs in Danger. For those of us who live with these special creatures, we understand that they're so much more than just dogs. They're faithful companions to the end. They remind us every day that life is precious and brief, full of fleeting joys and missed opportunities. Each year in this country, millions of homeless dogs are killed in shelters. There is a better way, and Dogs in Danger is working to get us there. It's the last chance for these dogs. Dogs in Danger makes it personal, with names and faces of dogs on death row, and brings us all face to face with a painful reality. More than 45,000 dogs have been saved with the assistance of Dogs in Danger, but we still have a long way to go. So please, open your heart and wallet to one of the thousands of dogs waiting for a second chance at life. Visit dogsindanger.com and click Donate to help us stop the needless killing of our best friends. Do it now before they run out of time.
0: Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are waiting for new families and animal shelters near you. Every year, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies sold in pet stores or over the internet for profit, while everyday healthy shelter dogs lose their lives only because there aren't enough homes for them. When you adopt instead of purchasing a pet, you're saving a life and helping to end the cruel practice of puppy mills. Learn more and take the pledge to adopt your next pet at bestfriends.org. Together, we can bring about a time of no more homeless Pets. Barkable Radio, the dogs in danger radio hour on 77 WABC.
1: Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda. All right, well, all through the commercial break, I've been saying vulgar culture over and over again and you still can't say it <laughs> still can't say it so i get the tough ones go. from now on <laughs> so let's bring in our first guest uh, and she is dr diane levitan accomplished doctor of veter- veterinary medicine and founder of the center for specialized veterinary care and the compassionate center care center and the world's first veterinarian referral hospital to allow human owners to stay with their pets overnight i love that concept what a cool idea yeah. Uh, Dr. Levitan, are you with us this morning?
3: I am. Thank you.
1: Thank you very much for joining us. at such an early hour. (laughs) Good morning. Are you still awake or uh, (laughs) you sound like you're half asleep?
3: I'm with you. I'm with you. (laughs) That snooze button confused me a little this morning. Other than that, we're good.
1: All right. So here's your test. Say vulgar culture 10 times.
2: (laughs) Don't do it. It's a trick.
1: (laughs) Um, so anyway, Diane, if I if you don't mind me calling you Diane, of course um, not. So let's start into the subject. Um, I know this idea of the, 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 my dog is my kid. Let's how prevalent is it? How many Americans think that my dog is my kid? From your research,
3: I would say that about seventy five percent of dog owners think their pet is part of their family, and I think that about forty five percent would consider taking them on vacations, even and maybe even more if there were, if it was more convenient to do so.
2: I mean no one actually believes in his conscious mind the dog is a human, right?
3: Well we're talking I'll, about I think we anthropomorphize a lot, but I don't think they think of them as humans. But I certainly do think that for many, many people who don't have big families or, or spouses or children, their their pets really are their children.
1: So they really actually I mean they're not Obviously, nobody's thinking that they're human, clearly, but you, they really actually humanize the dog to to the point of thinking that this dog is, is a part of my family, is a part of me, and is kind of like my kid.
3: Listen, if you could pick the perfect child, wouldn't you want one that always loved you, that never talked back, that that get, loved you unconditionally, that was there every second that you wished they would, that would kiss you no matter what? You know, why not?
2: (laughs) And those are all the reasons we love our dogs.
1: Wow. You just led me right into question question number two. My question was, do we go there because we really think they are like our kids or just because it's so much easier to love a subservient being? And you led right into that. What do you think?
3: You know, I I think that everybody is individual, but you wonder sometimes because some people don't even like animals, and and you've got to kind of wonder. Maybe they just never were around them. But I think that this unconditional love that they give us is just hard to resist. And anyone who's very sensitive and maybe a little bit needy—it's—it's it's, what more could you ask
2: for? Yeah, my guard goes up when someone doesn't like animals. I, 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 yeah, it, that, it, that's it,
1: true. But but is it is it is it the love thing that we that attracts us, or is it something of the control thing?
3: Oh, I don't think it's control because some of the dogs—I uh, mean, if you met my five dogs—if you
2: met my dog, you've met my dogs. <laughs>
3: It's I not have a control. No control over my dogs.
1: No control. <laughs> do you think that the dogs are your kids then?
3: I I have a little bit of different perspective because I I don't know, in a way, yeah, they're my they're part of our family. I don't think of them as a child. No.
1: You don't think of them as part of my family. Okay, but do you have any children of your own?
3: I have 3 children.
1: Okay, so and you don't think that you have 8 children. No. Okay. So but <laughs> my you,
3: husband I count as a child. <laughs>
1: Okay. We won't
3: tell,
2: we really won't tell him that. We won't tell him that, though. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's listening. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> well, what about this idea that, uh, this, that it's a member of the family? I mean, 30 years ago, it was a crazy idea that dogs were considered a part of your family, right? Today, absolutely. they're pretty much everybody. Now, as you said, 75% think that dogs are a part of the family, even though laws have absolutely not caught up with that philosophy. Uh, what do you think is driving this, this movement?
3: Well, listen. I think, first of all, the laws part is a whole other story because that's such a catch twenty two and a whole other topic. But um, I think that the more I think that industry is probably one of the leading reasons why we've accepted pets more as part of the family, or maybe that's kind of driven industry as well. But just think about how much people do for their pets today and how much there is for them to do. When you say
2: industry, you mean like retail industry? Yeah. Mm It's uh, very profitable for those businesses, right? To to have us think of our dogs as children. Oh my goodness. Because what we what buy happens. them better food. We buy Absolutely. them
3: strollers. We, buy them clothes, we you know, but like for instance the compassionate care center that we developed um several years ago, that's because people love their cre they love the creatures. They love these animals so much and maybe they don't think of them as their child but even if um they definitely think of them as part of their family and they wouldn't want to leave a child alone and they don't want to leave their dog so I just think that it's been, it's really, times have really changed, and that doctors and lawyers and, and people who aren't just, um, you know, consider, who are considered reputable people in the community, really, it's okay for them to love their pets as much as they love their children, too. It's its just funny. But it's also a, kind of a bond for everybody around. People who love pets kind of find each other, right? But, and they, they, but they like he- to enjoy their pet stories together, and... You know, it's just it's just a really nice thing that it's changed, and it's great for veterinary medicine, obviously, because we don't want to see animals ill. And so, as a veterinarian, to see people who really care about their pets helps us become helps us able to treat them a lot better as well.
1: But you mentioned the marketing side of it. You know, um, I'm not so sure I agree with you. Well, maybe I do agree with you that the marketing side of it was a driving force in this in this change or this philosophic change um i'm thinking that the marketing side just reflected what was happening in society and society was really going in this direction because of i don't know xyz and part of it was education i think you know the more educated you become the more you look at you know things in a different light and they always started. People started looking at their animals in a different light because they all had college degrees, and and so their brains were working differently. And then marketing picked up on this trend, and of course fed it with you know uh, gourmet food and she she this and, and she she that. And a three thousand know? dollar
3: canopy bed. Right,
1: right. What What do you think? Do you think? Do you think? I it,
3: think it's probably a combination. You know, think about the influence of the internet and of advertising, and of, all of a sudden now everybody can see each other, and they can say, "Wow, they love their dog, and it's okay." And "Wow, I love my dog." And, and now we have this just viral images of people loving their pets and kind of marketing it themselves and and making the norm right well so, and
2: I think and 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 there are those out there who think that the the trend in having fewer children there's also been a counter increase in yeah the number we're going to talk we're going to
1: talk about, but let me ask you this question, uh Diane, thus thinking this way about you know let's say my dog is my kid, going deep into this kind of philosophy. Um, does thinking this way change us, first of all, and does it change the dog?
3: I, I think it changes the way dogs are perceived and the way we treat them. I don't think it changes them. I mean, and we have to have that in ourselves already to feel that way. So I don't think it, I don't think it changes us. I think it's just that society has made it more acceptable and has made a lot of ways for us to um, treat our pets like our kids. You know, there's a lot of changes in society that make it okay. You can bring your dog places now. There are pet insurances. There are are things made specifically for our pets that are no longer weird for people to buy. And I think a lot of that is, again, because of the images that we see everywhere about people sharing their love for their pets. And kind of making it the norm rather than the exception,
1: right? So it doesn't it doesn't change us if we start thinking, you know, uh, this might my, my doggy is my little you know little kid, you know that never really grows up. It doesn't change us, you're saying. And but I'm interested in the other part of it also. Does it change the dog? Because if you start treating the dog like he's your family member, you're always coddling him, and you're you know you're always oochie uh, pooching him and this and that. Doesn't it affect the dog?
3: You, you we create our our pets have pretty strong personalities but of course how we treat treat them and whether or not we train them you know allows us i guess that does affect how we treat them but um, a lot of people who, who treat their pets like their children also are very, very good about training them specifically. And, I mean, people would say to me, Diane, it's so easy to train a dog. Look at your children. I'm like, you obviously have not met my children. <laughs> so everybody is very different. My children are not well-disciplined many times, and certainly my pets aren't either. But people who have well-disciplined children and, you know, I think it really depends on the, on the dynamics between the owner and the pet.
1: That if it affects it. So is this a good thing? I mean, what what's going on in the country, this this real move towards it? And we've talked about how marketing's already picked up on it. Is this a good thing? Does it make us better people, better parents in, in our lives, you know, uh, better managers at our work, blah, blah, blah? Uh, what do you think?
3: I just think it makes us happier. I think it's great that we've embraced, you know, the love of pets. And I, I certainly don't think... Uh, it's a good. Or, I don't think it's a bad thing. I don't think it's going to change society. I think it's just a nice evolution of, of making people's emotions and what people care about acceptable.
1: Uh, I mean, are
3: we going to, is everyone going to bring their dog to work? Is that practical? No. But you wouldn't want to bring your child to work necessarily either, you know? So.
1: <laughs> right. Well, some, puppy, you know, some people would like to. I mean, I brought my dog to work for a decade when I could, and then I couldn't. But, uh, but clearly it was a great pleasure to have Buddy with me for uh, approximately 10 years of my life. Um, so let me ask you this then. I mean, you don't think that it sends us over the edge into the deep hill if we start really thinking that my dog is like my kid?
3: I think that there's an interesting question. So I don't know. We, we all think about things differently. And and the way you might treat your dog as your, ch- as your child may be different than somebody else treats their dog as their child. Going over the edge... I you know, I don't think dogs are going to be able to run for president any day.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no so. comment, okay?
2: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah, comment right? on that one. <laughs> well, Alex, of course, thinks that Buddy is the smartest dog in the whole world. But we <laughs> have we have this ongoing debate in our house because, um, you know, we both feel that the dogs are family members, but Alex treats Buddy like... A human he'd put him at the table you know with absolutely he yeah. put him at the table in a seat at the table if he could i i on the other hand treat my dogs like dogs i love right. them like family but i respect that they're dogs so this is an ongoing debate that we have and i think just because people love their dogs right. like a child
1: so i'm asking you to psychoanalyze mean, me
2: yeah i okay, don't want so to go there we need a why, few hour show for that
3: why don't you put your dog at the table
1: uh, well, m- main reason Me. is because, no, Me. no, it's not you. <laughs> main reason is because, first of all, it's really tough for the dog to sit at, at he's too little. Like a like human being.
2: <laughs> the real reason is he's too little.
1: I'd have to tie him down. You know, that's that's the main reason. Second one, I don't think he'll stay there. So there's two really good as reasons. As long
2: as there's food on the table, <laughs> my bet is he's going to stay there.
3: All right. Well, dogs are going to be dogs. And so right. are, are we going to change the world because we want to treat them like children? Absolutely not. I think that it's just our manifestation of how we love them and care for them and I think we still maintain practicality because they're not at the dinner table.
1: <laughs> well, clearly it's it's a it's a complex feat to accomplish to put them, you know, at, at the dinner table, but there's another trend that that's I think fueling this whole concept, okay? And I want to talk about that. It's it's um it's women and we've seen this all over the, the the dog rescue world, okay? It's childless women. Women without children seem to go way over the edge. And, Tread
2: lightly here. Uh,
1: well, this is true. Uh, <laughs>
2: Tread lightly. Th-
1: wait, are you talking about me? Because I do not qualify in this no, category. No, but as
2: a childless woman, I'm sensitive to the common misconceptions and beliefs out there that... It, women you know that they're that women without children are, are more doting and, you know, spend on their dogs and dress them up and as substitutes for
1: Yeah. What about children. that? What about substitute for children children for women that are childless?
2: Do you see a difference? The real I mean, do you see a difference in the way that women with children versus women without children uh interact with their dogs in terms of I, the phenomenon?
3: Yeah, I think that they're um again it, it's a certain personality. I only see women with pets. Right. I don't see that, you know, as a, as a veterinarian, I, I know people who don't have children and maybe don't have pets. But the ones that are coming to me with their pet, I would say that that's probably true, that there are certainly more. I mean, I, I don't find men dressing their pets up. I don't find single men dressing their pets up ever. <laughs> I can't remember one thing, maybe in a jacket. That's mm-hmm. about it. Mm-hmm. But do uh, do women without children dress up their pets? More than women with children, I believe that's probably true. So there's and, and maybe that is some sort of a substitute in their eyes, or maybe that's what they've chosen, that they would rather have a pet than a child. I, you know, I can't really make that big judgment. But, but yeah, I do agree. I think that women with uh, single, they don't even have to be single, but childless women are much more likely to dress up their pets. I do think that's
1: true, and and obviously, along with dressing up, lots of other different categorizations go on, right? Um,
3: yeah, pretty
1: you know, much. Yeah, him this, putting him I, in the I, bed. I, I mean, that's a
3: several right. clients in my head right now. yes yeah.
2: <laughs> just for the record, I promised my dogs long ago I would never dress them up. I have never humiliated <laughs> them by the, by doing that.
3: <laughs> I put my dog in a dress once. And that was
1: it. <laughs> and. Do you think that this is a this is Do you think that this is a normal thing? You think it's a it's a good thing for a woman, a childless woman, to whatever the balance is in in her mind, you know, about being childless, to transfer it over to an animal or to a dog? Do you think this is a positive thing? She comes out better at the end of that that process than she goes you know into what?
3: it. I'm not going to judge. For me, if it makes people happy, they could do whatever makes them happy, as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. You know. So God bless them if they found something in their lives that's so simple and makes them happy. Then I'm happy for them, you know. So I'm not going to yeah. judge whether it's 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 normal or it's not because it makes people happy. So who cares, you know? I'm not going to judge them. That's personal.
1: Right. No, I, I didn't mean in a sense of judgment, but in a sense of um, do you find them to be healthier people psychologically? Uh, psychologically? Oh.
3: oh, you mean people with pets in general, or just these? women? No, no. I don't these know. these
1: women that have gone in that direction.
3: Um, I don't know. I really don't. I don't know what they were like prior, or what their family issues are. I just see their interactions with their pets, and and sometimes it's a little um frightening because it, because it is the most significant thing in their lives. And pets don't live as long as adults, and so they do end up, you know, suffering probably a little bit. And so I kind of think that's a little sad, yeah. but. Um, if they find happiness with them, that's great.
2: I mean, when one thinks of their dog as a child, the loss of that dog can be exceptionally yeah, painful. it's like losing a And society child. hasn't reached the point of acknowledging that relationship. You know, forget about you know how far you take it in spoiling and pampering, but for those who really you know think of their dogs as family members, and I had
3: a um, client who had a dog that was really really sick and needed to needed to be um, put out of its misery. And she was having such a hard time with it, although in her heart she knew she just needed more. She actually called a psychic from my office. Thank God they answered the phone.
1: Yeah.
3: And uh, the psychic, you know, gave her some advice and made her feel more comfortable with letting go. So it's, are they, you know, what drives people, what makes them comfortable? You judge.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's a tough decision. Yeah. The, the second you start thinking, my dog is my kid... And the dog, as you said, you know, fifteen years is, is a long lifetime. So the dog is now in, in on death row, and so it's like your kids on death row. And, and
2: losing that family yeah, member can so, be so very painful. Yeah, I mean, and, how do and you many feel of if us would be, and yet, and and yet, society as a whole doesn't really recognize that, and only other people who have pets really get right. that. And many of us would be ridiculed for even requesting a few days off from work to to yeah. grieve the loss of of a pet, and yet.
3: Well, I've for, had to write letters for a woman in law school when her pet died that she you know, needed to, to have some more time before she took her final exam.
1: For my vote, as far as this issue goes, I think it's a really positive and good thing. I think it teaches us humility. Um, it teaches us life and death and to value the love while you have it. So I think that it's a it's a beautiful thing that people go down this trip and unfortunately yeah there's pain in it but so there's hard pain to in almost yeah. everything in life there's uh, there's pain in almost everything that's valuable in life I agree and I think that's uh, that I think it's a very positive trend and I think women go come out of it better than they went into it a childless woman I think uh, will serve herself well by focusing on, on a on a pet, on an animal, because it will change. Well,
2: something your,
3: to love and nurture. That's
1: yeah, right. absolutely, absolutely. Rather than right,
3: the, and they'll, they'll always have pets, and they'll get more. And the pets are really the lucky ones, too, right? Because they're so, of course. they're given so much love.
1: Of course, of course. That's what I meant about changing the pet, because, you know, they get so much, they, they get showered with love and adoration, and uh, so that's got to make a change. I've seen a big change in Buddy. Um, in yeah,
2: the, but, you know, but... but but dogs are dogs in the sense that, you know, there are behavioral consequences, too. Some of those things we, we talked about, um, you know, constant affection and gifts and accommodations without rules, without boundaries. These are not necessarily good things for dogs. But just because you love a dog mm-hmm. like a child doesn't mean you're not training them.
1: No, absolutely. You have to respect the fact absolutely. that they're a dog. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Uh, Diane, thank you so much. You've been a great guest. Thank you for getting up in the morning and talking about this, this interesting subject with us um, and giving us your thoughts. Thank you so much, uh, we're going to be cutting away to a commercial, and we'll be right back with our second guest. When we first started thinking about dogs in danger, we had one overriding thought: millions of innocent dogs were being killed in shelters each year in this country.
2: And we realized there was no way for the public to know which dogs were going to die and when. That's when the light bulb went on. So we created dogsindanger.com, where every dog gets a last chance at life. The good public embraced the idea. And more than 45,000 dogs are alive today, bringing joy to families everywhere.
1: In today's economy, it's hard for anyone to part with their money. But Dogs in Danger needs your help to keep saving lives. If you believe, like we do, that needless killing is morally wrong, then do something about it. Please go to dogsindanger.com and make a tax-deductible donation. Just $18 a month will help us continue our life-saving mission.
2: Donate to Dogs in dogsindanger.com and do something good for your soul.
1: Gain a body. Save a life. Dogs dot com.
0: Right now, thousands of wonderful dogs are in shelters waiting for families. Meanwhile, puppy mills breed tens of thousands of puppies each year to be sold in pet stores or over the Internet for profit. Dogs in puppy mills never feel the touch of a kind hand or grass under their paws. They're forced to have litter after litter to produce puppies for sale in pet stores at high prices. At the same time, many dogs lose their lives in shelters because people choose to buy rather than adopt their pet. Best Friends is working with you and with Humane groups all across the country to bring about a time when every animal has a loving home and there are no more homeless pets through their puppy mill incentive thousands of dogs have been rescued from lives of suffering and have become part of loving families and you can help save even more text the word dog to 90999 to give five dollars to best friends animal society and help save the life of a puppy mill dog together we can make the dream of no more homeless pets come true Message and data rates may apply. Throw your dog a bone. Let him listen to the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour on 77 WABC.
1: Back to Alex and Brenda. Well, we're back on the air. And uh, who's our next guest, Brenda?
2: Next guest. Uh, we didn't think it was fair to just talk about our own obsessions over our dogs. So <laughs> so our next guest, uh, Ruth Kaiser, owner of Canine Confections and mom of two, mom in quotes, of two German Shepherd fur kids, Rex and Nico, Good morning, Ruth. You're live on Dogs in Danger.
4: Good morning. How are you? Good, thanks. Thanks for
2: joining us. Thank you.
1: Good morning, Ruth. How are you? Uh, did you wake up at 2 a.m. to be on the show?
4: <laughs> I actually rolled out of bed at 5.30. <laughs> so did you take the dogs out yet? No, I haven't, and they're staring at me. Uh huh. <laughs> I know that look <laughs> when their eyes are floating and they're wondering what's wrong. <laughs> exactly. They've been let out, but they haven't been out for a walk, and they have not been fed, so they are very unhappy. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> so, Ruth, you're our laboratory case this morning. So when did you first start thinking Rex and Nico were like your kids?
4: Well, I adopted them about four years ago, and um, it took a it took maybe four or five months for me to uh, to get accustomed to them and to adjust. They had been found on a street in Brooklyn, and they were in a shelter for quite a while. So... Um, they first uh, ate my house up. They ate my couch. They ate my rug. They ate my leather jacket. They ate my mittens. So they, you know, there was a big adjustment period. But once they got accustomed to living in the house here, um, it didn't really take me that long. Um, had you had
2: dogs prior to Rex and Nika? Uh,
4: you know what? I had not had a, a dog since I was a teenager, which unfortunately was a long time ago. Um, so they were—they are my first animals in my adult life.
2: And you don't have any human kids, right?
4: I have no human children, now.
1: Now, wait. I want to ask you this question. So Rex and Nico come into your life, and the first thing they do is they eat you out of home and house, right?
4: Yes. <laughs> and you
1: still think they're like your kids?
4: Uh, yeah. As far as I know, most children do eat you out of house and home. They just don't eat your furniture.
1: <laughs> well, but these guys did.
4: Yes, they did. So somewhere in there you bonded with them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Um through it all, um, you know, I, uh, every day I would come home and something would either be missing from my house or eaten in my house. So, and, no, wait,
1: um, that didn't kind of, like, clue you in that these were, these were dogs? Because, I mean, you walked in and there was the chair, gone. Well,
4: no one said <laughs> she thinks they're human. Yeah, no, I don't think they're human. I, I definitely, they are definitely a part of my family. Um, and, you know, I do call them my fur children, um, but I do realize that they are, you know, they are dogs.
1: Okay, so tell us some of the ways that you do and the things that you do to show that the dogs are really your kids.
4: I um, Well, they do have their own bedroom.
1: Okay. Um, tell is, us about that. Is it a real bedroom or is it a doggy-sized bedroom?
4: It's a, it is actually a little alcove. It used to be my computer room, which I outgrew, and um, so it's enough to put their beds in. Um, wait,
1: wait, wait. Kind of, what kind of beds do they have?
4: They have therapeutic beds that um, were quite expensive. But Wait, th- th-
1: these are nice little therapeutic beds with, do they have heaters on them or something, or, you know, little they, warmers? Um,
4: they're not small by any means, but they're they're nice therapeutic beds that have, um, you know, memory cushions in them. Wow. And, uh, I mean, they're, you know. My puppies are older now. They're, you know, they need something like that. When I'm older, I want a therapeutic bed. I
2: need something like that. Exactly. Although I did have to resort to the Orvis Tough Chew beds because um, my dogs
4: have a, a, They a, ate ha- the bed. They <laughs> ate so the they bed. Did, yeah. That's the only thing in my house the dogs didn't eat were their beds. <laughs> That's a sign of intelligence. All
1: right, so exactly. they, have a, they have their own bedrooms. They have their therapeutic heated beds. And what else do they have?
4: Um well their names are printed on painted on the wall. They have a billboard of all of their fur nephews and Wait, cousins. can they,
1: can they read? Hmm? Can they read?
4: Um I don't know actually. <laughs> actually they can read, you know they what, just don't I, speak English. I don't know if they read or not, but they do uh, they do um they're able to sleep on the bed that has their name above it. So maybe they do read. I don't know.
1: <laughs> okay. So they sleep in the bed that has that name above it. Okay. What do you feed them?
4: um i feed them actually they're on specialized food from the vet because they um they had a weight problem they were very underweight when they found them and then um i had gone to a trainer who wanted them put on holistic food and um they actually gained a lot of weight from that so they've actually been on off and on specialized food for the past two or three years
1: okay and then what about um, the couch when you're watching tv where are they
4: Oh, they're on the floor. They, they're not, after, they lost the right to sleep on the couch. After they, they ate, ate the it? Cou- yes. <laughs> and I had uh. to replace it. So they did lose. They're, they're not allowed on any of my furniture because they lost that right when they did eat the couch.
1: <laughs> so you, you, your dogs are eating everything that's around them, and you still see them as kids, as your well, kids. That,
4: actually, that behavior has stopped. Okay. Um so they're they're pretty good now. They don't um although my dog, my one dog did eat my beach towel last year and had to have an operation, oh, but no. um that has stopped. Now they're they're perfect little puppies. They don't they don't chew garbage. They don't chew anything. Um And lots of dogs, when
2: they're transitioning to new homes, exhibit all kinds of undesirable behaviors. And if you can just make it through the first few months. That
1: that goes back to my question to Dr. Levitan. Okay, let me ask you the same question back, okay? Mm -hmm. Have your dogs changed because of, let's say, let's put this in their quotes, you know, your extravagant behavior. Do you think it's changed your dogs? I mean, by the way, the two dogs she's talking about are two German shepherds, not known for the most they're not little. They're dogs. not little
4: five-pound right. fufu dogs. So,
1: have they changed? Do you think because of your behavior, of the things that you've done for them?
4: Um, that's hard to to answer. I don't think that they have changed. I think that with um them, that you, you have to remember that they came from the streets. They found them on a the street in Brooklyn. They don't know how long they were on on the street. They are they were less than fifty pounds when I when they found them. Um, and then they come into an environment where their structure, you know, they're being fed regularly. Um, they don't have to chew the couch to to fill their stomachs up. Um,
1: so you think don't think they, they've changed?
4: I think that they've changed um, as far as they're, they're much calmer. They're much more secure uh, because they know that they're going to be fed. They know that they're going to be loved. Um But I I do feel confident that, you know, right at this point now, when I'm not in my house, they are now in the garage, which is heated and air-conditioned, so it's, you know... Do you, expect,
2: do you expect your dogs to think like humans? Like, do you try to reason with them and expect them no. to make moral judgments? And, no. No. Because these are all things that Alex exhibits on a regular basis with yeah, his dogs. Yeah, so dog. I'm, I'm <laughs>
1: far over the hill. You're, you're way behind me, you know. I hear I'm him the all leader. the time having he has
2: <laughs> how to get there. He has full conversations of discourse with Buddy
4: and fully expects him to reason his way into Wait, things. It, it gets
1: worse than that because he talks sometimes back to me.
4: <laughs> well. I tell you, if you if somebody was in my house listening to me have a conversation with the dogs, they might think I'm crazy. That you know, I do have lots of conversations
1: with them. So you do have conversations. The secrets uh, are coming out. I do. Yes, yeah. This absolutely. is this is a penetrating interview. That's what I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any? Uh, do you have any human kids?
4: You. We no. already covered that.
1: Okay. You don't have any. Do you think that not having human kids has put you into this mind? Uh, this frame of mind.
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I think that living alone and then then having companions, e- even fur companions, to um, you know, kind of talk to, or uh, you know, when you live alone, you, you tend to talk to yourself. But now there's you know, now there's two big dogs living, sitting there, not um, not listening. Hopefully, listening. There's to someone me, you can pretend is listening to me. Right.
1: Right. Okay. Um, So that has, of course, has a tremendous impact. I mean, you're living alone and suddenly. So the dog as a substitute child is definitely in play for you.
4: I believe so, yes. I I believe that now, you know, I have responsibilities that I need to take care of. I can't, you know, just be where I want to be or do what I want to do without having to to make sure that they're taken care of. So I guess that that would be uh, an
1: accurate statement. Now, Now, listen, Ruth, some people say that it's a crime. To waste funds and resources, extravagant find funds and resources like you do, like I do, on animals that can't appreciate them, while human babies lie suffering all over the world. How do you respond to that? When you're, you know, you're feeding him their gourmet food and, you know, giving them air conditioning, you know, running the AC up, you know, carbon footprint, and all that kind of stuff, uh, for animals that you know don't appreciate it. When literally millions of babies don't have air conditioning, how do you feel about that?
4: I definitely, you know, I definitely feel like we need to help humanity. I I definitely feel that there's not enough, there's definitely not enough um, focus on humanity and, you know, and poverty and and children living in poverty. Um, But that doesn't change the way day to day living is um unfortunately unless you know most people we we like to do charity work we like to do um you know to give to humanity but it's not going to change our daily um life
1: so you, what you're saying is this is important to me and that's why I'm going to continue doing it even though i think that it may be a bit, bit of a way over the top and waste of resources i don't care because uh, i'm living my day to day life and i need to do this for my well being
4: I need to this is what makes what brings happiness into my life. Um what also brings happiness into my life is is helping humanity and helping helping people, um and dogs, um, you know but um he I He always
2: tries to paint it that way. It's not real it doesn't have to be a choice. Right? Exactly. We say that to people all the time who write to us and they say, How can you dedicate so much to the animals when there's human suffering? Well guess what? Right. You have to you have to give to both.
4: You exactly. know, <laughs> Well, I mean,
1: you
4: you know, just because I mean, I'm not giving uh, if I had a million dollars, you know, give it to um, an animal shelter as opposed to, you know, feeding hungry children in America or around the world. Um, But you allocate what you have. So, you know, I mean, to justify that, you're going to you're going to not have an animal in your life so that you can help, you know, charity or or. People around the world, um, you can have both.
1: Well, obviously, if you have a hundred bucks in your hand and you're deciding whether I should give this money away to a shelter or if I should spend um, a lot of this money, 75 bucks, 50 bucks of it, on some pampering for my dog and the rest to the shelter, obviously, you're taking away whatever you give to the pampering of your dog. I'm not saying kill your dog. I'm saying, you know, whatever you're giving to your pampering is not going to the shelter. So there is a reduction in the energy that we can output. What are you talking like.
2: about, socialism for dogs?
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm talking about <laughs> socialism. You know, the Iranians are are outlawing it, right? So right. if you are if you don't have a dog, if you don't have a dog and you want to do something good for your soul, what are you going to do? You're going to give it away to humans, some kind right. of humans. You're not going to give it to dogs because dogs are illegal to have right. in the house. Um, so do you think that's a good thing to have? That sort of focus, pressure by government to push people into helping humans and not spending their resources on animals that don't necessarily appreciate.
4: No, I, I don't think that's a good thing at all. I think that, that um, each person, regardless of where you live, um, should be able to make that decision on their own. I mean, I don't want to be told where to, you know, I don't want to be told where to... Spend uh, your resources. Spend my resources. I don't want to be told what to... What I have to um, think is a focus in my life I want to be able to do, I believe truly that, that you know, I can have these two wonderful dogs and give them what they need. Um, I can help dogs in shelters, and I can help humans, you know. So, so
1: do you think that then if everyone treated their dogs as special as you do, that's a good thing for the world?
4: yeah I do I be, I mean I believe that I believe that you you should treat your dog as I'm not saying that if you you know if you can't afford to buy a therapeutic bed that you go out and you put it you know you spend money that you don't have but if you can afford it you should treat your dog just like you would treat um you know a, a brother or a sister give them what you can afford to give them I'm not saying that you know if you've got fifty dollars to buy food for your For yourself or your family to go out and spend it on a therapeutic bed for your dog instead mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but by you know stay within your means, do what you can for them
1: right, 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 and don't you think that people go really overboard? I mean you see these these designer clothing three thousand oh, dollar dresses and stuff um you think thats that's overboard, do you not
4: yeah no i I do completely agree with that. I have seen um you know I've done a lot of um vendor days and dog functions with my company. And there are people who probably spend more on their dog's clothing than they do on their own clothing.
1: And and you um, think that's over the top?
4: Uh, yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen, you know.
1: You won't do that?
4: Try to, no, try to dress a dog in a... <laughs> Had it.
1: a tough time with that one, huh?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, try to, tr- try to dress two German Shepherds in a, uh, a frilly outfit. It does not work. Yeah, no. no.
2: My dogs would shred those clothes in a heartbeat.
4: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But, you know, I mean, there, are, there definitely is um, a point where, you know, it's obsessive. You know where the the dog will have as many outfits hanging in the closet as as its owner, or you know things like that, or strollers that are you know four five hundred dollars. That's it. unless you can afford it. You know what I mean? If you if you can throw down four hundred dollars on a stroller and it's it doesn't it, hurt your pocket. Still, it's a, it's
1: it's a uh, it's a waste of resources to a certain degree. But let me ask you this last question. Um, we talked with Do- Dr. Levitan previously um, about the balance of the mind. Is it a is it a better are you in a better position because you think that your dogs are, are really your, your you know, your brother, family. your, your mm-hmm. family, you treat them that way, you spend a lot of money on them, you get tremendous joy. Do you feel as a, as a woman that's living alone, a childless woman, that you have come into a better place in your mind, a better balance because of this kind of philosophy and thinking than you were before you got involved in, in, in your dogs as a part of your family?
4: Um I do I think that I uh, these dogs have given me a lot as far as um comfort and as far as um unconditional love and I think that uh, I don't think that I will ever be without a dog again in my life.
1: So, um
4: and it's not because you know I'm I'm trying to substitute them for a child but because of the unconditional love and the you know i mean there's nothing better than having a bad day at work and coming home, and you know they run up to you they lick, they lick your face they um all they want to do is have belly rubs, and it's a release it's you know it's a release of all the stress and everything that you go through on a daily basis when you right. come home and they it's lick that your face. it's
2: that unconditional love without
4: all the baggage that humans mm-hmm. bring. Yeah. Exactly.
1: And it's and something they
4: don't have, you know, they don't uh, they don't say what are we having for dinner? You just put their bowl down and, you know, and they eat they it. Eat what's in the bowl?
1: Yeah, that's the subservient being we talked about also. Uh the pleasures of dog ownership, something that the Iranians will never discover apparently. Yeah. <clears throat> Unfortunately. Unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, th- you know, there's a lot to say about the subservient being also. You know, they're easy to manage, really. They'll do whatever, you, you know, you want them to do. Uh, I wouldn't
2: much. go projecting your experience with Buddy onto the rest of the dog population.
1: Well, the question I didn't get to ask uh, Dr. Levitan, and I didn't ask uh, because we're out of time, Ruth, is uh, is it more like my, my dog is my kid or is it more like my dog is my doll? Um, that's, I think, a, a, a deep, you know, thing to to really think about. You know, if you really right. think about it, is it is it is it my doll? Is Because I sometimes wonder myself if I'm really treating Buddy as
2: well. I think that's your own psychoanalysis yeah, and, going on there. And
1: <laughs> I, and I and we're like, going to
2: have to call the psychologist to the show for that one. I yeah. Think. Yeah.
1: I already pay. How much do I pay for psychiatric <laughs>
2: <laughs> And we should and and we should also mention for for our listeners, um, we we started off by saying um, Ruth is is uh, one of the owners of Canine Confections. Um, visit Canine dot com and check out the gourmet doggy treats that are on there. And we're hoping uh, Ruth that we get you at our um, at our walkathon so you can have a vendor booth there and we can have some uh, have some of
1: some your confections. Canine <laughs> confections. Oh wait, wait, I can't eat them. <laughs>
4: You actually. You actually can. You actually all made can. Of human great ingredients. So no you can kidding. There all you right. go. All right. So,
1: are you going to come over then to the walkathon um, on I the fifteenth? I actually, 15th?
4: I wrote down the information. I have a function that day, but I may actually send someone to um, to be there. That'd be great.
1: wonderful. We'd love to. We'd love to have you guys. Wonderful. All right, Ruth. Thank you so much. You're a great guest. Uh, I'll be coming over for a doggy dinner pretty soon. Give our
2: regards to Rex and Nico. <laughs> I certainly
4: will. Okay. See all right. Ya. Thank you very much. Thank
1: you. We'll be right back with the rest of the show. Hey, Brenda, what's the best way for the good folks out there to help their furry friends?
4: Well,
2: they can buy our Dogs in Danger branded T-shirts, mouse pads, and postage stamps.
1: And you know those stamps are real U.S. postal stamps, so you can use them every day. Just think, someone else finding out about this cause each time you send a letter.
2: So please go to DogsIndanger.com and buy from our selection of logoed products. Remember, each purchase helps us save a
0: life.
1: That's DogsIndanger.com. One day, the world will be a better
0: place for animals. Spaying and neutering will be the rule, and adoption will be everyone's first choice. Animals will no longer be destroyed because they're unwanted or imperfect. Shelters will have the knowledge and resources to rehabilitate special needs animals and find the right family for every pet. It may sound like a dream, but it's actually a mission. It's the mission of Best Friends Animal Society, and we hope that you'll join us. Visit bestfriends.org. Together, we can create a world with no more homeless pets. The Dogs in Danger Radio Hour. Honest talk, even when it bites, on 77 WABC. Here are your hosts, Alex and Brenda.
2: Welcome back. We're on the Dogs in Danger Radio Hour, and this is the part of the show where we feature one dog from the dogsindanger.com website, one of thousands of dogs that are waiting every week. And um, this is a really tough task every week. Sometimes we have um, volunteers uh, who write in or we have people who sponsor to promote a particular dog. And sometimes um, we end up choosing the dog from the site. And uh, it's it's a tough task because when there are thousands, how do you pick just one to feature? So um, anyway, today's dog is Teddy, who is a male Chihuahua mix. Absolutely adorable. He's in Phoenix, Arizona. Yes, the dogs are from all over the country. And... Um, This one is at Maricopa County Animal Care and Control West Facility in Phoenix, Arizona. And he is absolutely adorable, staring right into the camera, asking, why me? I mean, you can just, you can see it in his eyes. He's about three years old, uh, brown and tan, Chihuahua smooth coated mix. Teddy is his name. He has uh, an ID number, which is A2975567. I know people probably don't, you know take this down when we're when we're reading it. But you can go to our website at dogsindanger dot com. You can search Arizona and you'll find him or you can go to the radio hour page and you'll find him. And Maricopa County Animal Care and Control takes in over a hundred and fifty animals every day.
1: Wow and um Didn't you say that there was like 150 uh, chihuahuas at the... There
2: were over 100. uh, uh, As of about two weeks ago, there were over 100 chihuahuas in that facility that were waiting for. Not all of their dogs are on our website. It's just a small number. It's whatever the great volunteers out there can manage to get up on the website.
1: Chihuahuas, 100 chihuahuas. And, you know, Chihuahuas,
2: you know, in in, in certain areas, the the, the population of Chihuahuas is just exploding. Um, A lot of it having to do, unfortunately, with, you know, with the media, with Hollywood, with the movies that are out that Mm -hmm. happens, you know, with every with every breed when there's a, a, you know, a a movie that that promotes that breed.
1: So, so sad. Yeah, Yeah,
2: so sad. And he Mm -hmm. is just an adorable little guy staring right into the camera. He's
1: very cute. And let me tell you. Um, they're small dogs, so you, it's easy to transport. Doesn't take them. up much space. Yeah, we and can it's get easy them on to move a transport. Them. Right, in a small cage, they put them on, they fly them right in, and next thing you know, you're happy, the dog's happy, and you've saved a life, and you have peace in your home. So, Teddy. Go take a look at them uh, on our website, dogsindanger.com. Um, look at Arizona. You'll find Teddy right under Arizona. and It's a uh, shelter called Marisopa County. They're a huge shelter, by the way. They're huge. Um,
2: this was a great show today. It really was. One of the warmer topics. We, t- yeah. we try to intersperse, you know, the really tough topics. This was a, this was a good one. You know, it's yeah. not exactly that we think they're human, but the choices that we make, you know, the the protection that we're going to give them, the nurturing we feel we owe them is the same as a family member.
1: I think they change us more than we realize. Uh, the, the more we treat them well and they treat us back well um, and they give this unconditional love back to us, they start changing because well, you don't get that you, in family. It teaches you love you know? and
2: compassion yeah. and humility.
1: All right. you, know, you know what? You just think about it in your family. How many times do you have discourse? I mean, how many times do you have, you know, issues that come up and things that you're uncomfortable with. This doesn't happen with a dog. Like I said, they
2: don't have the human baggage. They just don't. They're not complicated in that way.
1: Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's complicated
2: in other ways, but not in that way.
1: Yeah, and I've made a mess of things because um, me and my dog, I mean, we're like uh, the buddies. Yeah. We go. We go down the trip together. Alter
2: ego. Can yeah. you say alter ego?
1: I can say alter ego. What I cannot say is vulgar culture. Yeah. Okay. So that all would the be way. the
2: Iran discussion. We're going to cover that. Uh, hopefully, one day we're going to get those religion on the line guys to to join. Yeah,
1: the join Iran us. thing was really disturbing. Let's see. Let's yeah. see if something happens and uh, the people put a stop to this lunacy that's going on there. Um, having said that, I guess uh, surprise
2: show for next week.
1: Yeah, what's the the subject again?
2: It's a surprise. Uh
1: Uh-oh. Did I say surprise? I don't like surprises. Yeah, well. But I'm going to have to put up with that. Fortunately,
2: you're not the only one making decisions here.